My name is Morgan, and we are in a sermon series entitled God Is. We're looking at different attributes of God. Um, Who is God? What comes into your mind when you think about God? What is God like? So this morning, we're going to start out with something pretty challenging. And then we're going to move into four things that I hope are deeply, deeply, deeply encouraging to us. So as we start this morning, that quote, what comes into your mind when you think about God? What is God like? I want you to take 20 seconds and think about that question. When you think about God, what comes into your mind? Voltaire was a French philosopher, and he once said this, God created man in his own image, and man has returned the favor. That that God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them, and in return, humanity looks to God and makes God a reflection of themselves, of us. And we might be able to see this in some different ways, right? Have you ever seen a picture or a painting, photograph or whatever it is of someone's interpretation of Jesus that has dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, white, stunningly beautiful? Why is that? Well, it's a reflection of of us, not of who Jesus was. Why is it? that Christians who are Republicans, when they're surveyed, say that Jesus was a staunch Republican. (laughs) And when polled, Christians who are Democrats say Jesus was a pure Democrat. Because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we actually make God a reflection of us. If God... Well, we can use God to support the things that that we care about. If God cares about the same causes as you and hates all the same people as you, maybe we're an idolater. Maybe we're actually making God in our image instead of understanding who he is from his word and letting that shape our life. If we aren't careful, We will make God in our image. Um, That quote, what comes into our minds when we think about God as the most important thing about us, comes as the first line in the first chapter of a book by A.W. Tozer called Knowledge of the Holy. And Tozer then spends the rest of that chapter illustrating the importance of thinking rightly about God. And that's our goal in this series that we would think rightly about God. 
based on who he is, not as a reflection of who we are and putting that on God, but no, 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 as a reflection of who he is and then letting the living God transform us. This morning, we'll be looking at God's omnipresence. God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. Present here, uh, it, it means here, near, next to, close to. And the omni in that brings universality to it. If you're an omnivore, you'll eat anything and everything. Omnipresence means that God is present in all places. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10 says this. David's, it's the Psalm of David, and, and he says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. There your right hand will hold me fast. God is unlimited in terms of time. And God is unlimited in terms of space. And so first off, what does God's omnipresence not mean? It doesn't mean that some of God is present in all places. It doesn't mean that an aspect of God is somewhere. Nor can we say that everything is God. That'd be pantheism. So what does God's omnipresence mean? It means that God is present with his whole being in every part of creation. That God is present with his entirety, with his whole being in every part of creation. The verse that, that Tom read, when two or more gather in my name, Jesus says, there I am among them. How is it that that can be true with us this morning and true of those down the street and true of those across the world? God's omnipresence. God is spirit. He is not limited by space, nor is he limited to one space. But oftentimes, we seek to reduce God in different ways to human-like dimensions. God doesn't have a body. He's not limited in the ways that we are. Augustine uh, was a great thinker and theologian in the early church, and he was once walking along the beach in North Africa, pondering the Trinity, as one does. <laughs> For what it's worth, he was writing a book called On the Trinity, and he was living in Algeria, and so he was taking a break from his writing, pondering the Trinity. And he came upon a boy playing on the beach. And as he watched the child, he saw the child run to the ocean with a seashell, fill it with water, and then run back and pour it into a small hole that he had made in the sand. 
What are you doing, my little man? Augustine asked. Oh, I'm trying to put the ocean into this hole. Similarly to you all, Augustine smiled at the boy's confidence in the face of the impossibility of the task of putting the entire ocean into a small little hole that he had made. And then it hit him. It hit Augustine that that's what he was trying to do with God. He later said, I see it now standing on the shores of time. I am trying to get into this little finite mind things which are infinite. One of the reasons that God's omnipresence is so hard to grasp is how unsimilar it is to us, right? I am here this morning, right here, and I can only be right here. And yeah, sure, I might be streaming in someone's home in Denver, Missouri, wherever it is, but I myself am still here as you are. We are limited to being in one place at one time, but God is in all places with all of himself always. Now, God can be present in different ways in different places, but God is present in all places with all of himself always. Philosophers through the ages have argued about divine transcendence versus divine imminence. If God is high and far above creation, if he's transcendent, then the logic goes, how can he be present among creation? And if God is imminent with his creation, how can he truly be high and far above it? So is God high and far above creation or present with it, among it? Omnipresence answers this question, right? Both. One person has said it like this, God is imminent in his creation. No place in heaven on earth or hell where men may hide from his presence. God's omnipresence teaches that at once God is far off and near and that in him men, mo uh, men move, live, and have their being. So David in Psalm 139, what does he say? He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And in light of what we've been talking about, it's nowhere, right? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, you are there, the place of the dead. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and the dawn is which way? East. And poetically, David then says, if I settle on the far side of the sea, and in the ancient Near East, from Jerusalem, what direction is the great sea, the Mediterranean? It's west. David is saying, if I go north, south, east, west, if I go up, down, left, or right, you are there. 
Even there, your hand will guide me. Your hand, your right hand will hold me fast. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh was far east of where Jonah was. It says Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which was as far west as they knew at that time on the far side of the great sea. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And what do we say to Jonah here? Jonah, the very place that Jonah is trying to flee from the Lord on was the sea that God created and that God ruled and that God is in control of that God is sovereign over. Jonah was trying to flee from the Lord on that which the Lord controlled. Then verse four, then the Lord sent great wind on the sea. A violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. God came to Jonah later and, and said, go to Nineveh, said it again. And Jonah went and the city of Nineveh experienced Repentance. And God was present there in Nineveh, just like God was present on the sea. God was present in different ways, but God is present always. So I want us to look at four takeaways, four implications from God's omnipresence that I hope are, are deeply encouraging for you this morning. First one, God is near to you now. God's omnipresence declares that God is present here with you now. What should we do in light of that? First Chronicles 16, 11 says, look to the Lord and his strength Seek his face always. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So our response to knowing that God is here is to seek after him this morning and to seek after him with all that you are, with all of your heart. God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Question for you this morning, do you expect to encounter the living God this morning? And if not, maybe it's our expectations that are the issue. Maybe it's our seeking after him. Expect it, God is present here. Seek him so that you will encounter the living God. Expect to encounter the living God. But maybe some thoughts run into your head when I say that. Maybe you say, but I don't feel 
God this morning. Question. Is God's omnipresence, is the fact that God is present with all of himself in every part of creation, is God's omnipresence based on your feelings? You say, that's absurd, Morgan. Of course not. Exactly. So why do you think that God is not ready to encounter you this morning? Maybe another thought that runs into your head is, but there's been so many weeks here that I haven't encountered him. I've, I've come faithfully for weeks or decades, and I haven't encountered him every week. So yeah, it's great. I, I believe God's present here, but what do we do with that? Question. Is God's omnipresence, the fact that God is present with all of himself in every part of creation, is that based on your history of acknowledging God's presence here among you? Of course not. So why do you think that God is not ready to encounter you this morning and every morning? Maybe the last thing, yeah, this is great, but I feel lonely. You're not alone, dear friend. You're never alone. The one who made all things made you, designed you, and is present with you. Be encouraged. God is right there with you. So seek him. Seek him with your whole heart. And as he declared, you will find me. Second implication of God's omnipresence, is that God will be near you tomorrow. God will be near you tomorrow. Romans 8, 35 to 37 says this. Paul's writing this and he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is, as it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God will be near you tomorrow. Each of your tomorrows, whatever your tomorrow will bring. If you encounter trouble in one of your tomorrows, that will not separate you from the love of God and God will be near you in the midst of it. If you experience hardship in your tomorrow, that will not separate you from the love of God, but God will be present with you in the midst of it. If you experience persecution in your tomorrow, that will not separate you from the love of God. God will be near you in the midst of it. If you experience famine in your tomorrow, that will not separate you from his love, God will be present with you in the midst of it. If you experience nakedness in your tomorrow, that will not separate you from his love. God will be present with you in the midst of it. If you experience danger in your tomorrow, God will be present with you in the midst of it. If you experience sword 
in your tomorrow. That will not separate you from his love. God will be present with you in the midst of it. God will be near you tomorrow, whatever your tomorrow brings. Third, God is near to them, whoever you'd put there. God is omnipresent. God is near to you now. And an implication of that is that God is also near to others now. Jeremiah 23, 24 says this, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. In Acts 17, 27, says this, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Question, who is the person that you view as unreachable? Maybe it's yourself this morning. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend. Who do you view as out of reach for Christ? God's omnipresence declares that God is near to them. Now that doesn't mean that everyone will reach out and find him, but it does mean that nobody is too far away from the love of God. What does it say? God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him. He's not far from any one of us. Who is the person or group of people that you most despise? When I said earlier that if God hates the same people as you do, maybe we're an idolater, but what pop, who popped into your mind? God's, an implication of God's omnipresence is that God is near to them too. God's actually not too far out of reach for anyone. So pray for everyone because nobody's too far out of reach for God. And pray for your heart towards others too because God's not too far out of reach for anyone. The last implication of God's omnipresence, and granted there's thousands, but I picked four. God is near always, always. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, what are you saying? Don't be anxious about anything. Do you know real life? And I, I'm, I'm at, I don't know what Paul would respond to that, but I imagine it would be something like, did you not read the antecedent? Did you not read what I wrote right before I said, don't be anxious about anything? The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What comes before is the nearness of God, the fact that the Lord is near. That's the reason why we don't have to fear. That's the reason why we don't have to fear danger or sword or everything else that Paul listed in Romans 8. The nearness of God to you, that is the reason why we can go through life and say, I don't have to be anxious about that because God's near. God's near to me now and in every situation and even future fears that we might have. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know what? God will be with you in the midst of that, just like God will be with, be with me in the midst of that. Isn't that an encouragement for us to not be anxious? Amen. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus is about to ascend and he says this to his disciples. Therefore, go to all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. What is he, what encouragement does he say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them? He says, I'll be with you always. In your going, in your making disciples, in your baptizing them and teaching them, I will be with you in the midst of it. We'll jump back to Romans 8 and finish off where Paul left off or where I left Paul off last time. <laughs> Verse 38 of Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> Question, is there anything in all creation that can separate us from the love of God? Actually, it's a trick question, yes. <laughs> the Bible says throughout it that there is one thing that separates us from God, sin. And that sin separates us entirely from God. So how is it that Paul writes this? Paul says, for I am convinced that death nor life Angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. How can Paul say that? It's because of the last five words. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is because of Christ that nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God because the one thing that separates us from the love of God, sin, it separates us entirely from God. But Jesus came and Jesus died, taking on your sin so that when you trust in Christ, he took the one thing that separates you from God. So therefore nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. And when you trust in Christ, Jesus said, when I go, I will send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will guide you and all truth. When you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes 
to be with you and to dwell with you. The transcendent one has become the imminent one. The one who is above all came near to us and says, I will be with you always. There's never a moment that the living God is not near you. And I said that God can be present in different ways in different places, but in light of Romans 8, God's disposition towards us is that of love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is no struggle in your life. There is no sin in your life. There is no difficulty that you will ever encounter that can separate you from the presence of God. There's nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are present among us. Lord, as we move into a time of communion, Lord, we ask that you would be present among us in a special way, that we would seek after you and that we would seek after you with all that we are, that we might be able to encounter you this morning. May we sense your love and encounter your love in a deeper way this morning, Lord. We pray this all in your beloved name. Amen.